Welcome to the Renee Frazier Show. This is Dr. Renee Frazier, and my show is called Why Women? I'm Renee Frazier. I'm the CEO of Frazier Communications, one of the leading women-owned and women-led advertising and marketing firms in Southern California. Our company does advertising and marketing for Toyota, for Lexus. We do a lot of work in the healthcare space, working with the Department of Public Health, warning people about the importance of eating healthy and uh, getting people to stop smoking. We also did the Talk, Read, Sing campaign, which is well-known to talk to parents about the importance of early brain development. Then the firm is known for research and insights. On my show, I like to share information, research, and insights that help women lead and succeed. And today we're going to be talking about how women can lead in corporations, specifically women sitting on corporate boards. Many of you out there know about nonprofit boards, but the corporate boards are another avenue for women. And in today's world, it's more important than ever that we bring diverse, inclusive perspectives to boards. I have on the show with me an expert in the field and a good friend with whom I've worked on this initiative for many years, and that's Betsy Berkemer Crader. Betsy's going to be joining us as CEO of 5050 Women on Boards, the premier organization dedicated to increasing engagement of women on corporate boards and focused on diversity. We bring women to the table and particularly people of color. Betsy's going to share the progress we've made and some of the important programs that 5050 Women on Boards is running, available to all workshops. And we have a special event later in May on May 18th, 3.30 to 6. We have a wonderful event for 5050 Women on Boards here in Los Angeles. But I jump ahead. Let me introduce to you the extraordinary Betsy Berkemer-Crader. Betsy, welcome to the show. Oh, Renee, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And what a what a lovely introduction. Uh, and I only paid you five bucks for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm going to collect that later from you. But I appreciate your being here, Betsy. You know, this is an issue that's important to me. Getting women on corporate boards is a way to change the way the corporations look at their employees. They look at the future. And we know when women are in charge, the companies are more profitable. But just as important, there's more humanity in the company. And we'll talk more about that later. Betsy, I always like my guests to tell me their personal story. I think our listeners love to hear the trails, the trials, the tribulations, the way you got to where you are. And Betsy and I share something in common. We're both from the Columbus, Ohio area, right, Betsy? Well, our, our parents, my parents were at least, and, uh, and, and, and everybody moved to California, but I uh, here we are happily in the sunshine. And yes, that's where my, my folks came from originally. But I grew up in Los Angeles and uh, went to a junior college in Ventura and uh, UCLA, uh, majoring in, in history and journalism. But I, I thought I was going to be a famous uh, a newspaper reporter way back in the day. <laughs> uh, I, I ended up with a quite a, a career as a publicist. I did work at a newspaper in Ventura. Then I worked for Disney Studios, traveling around the country. And I came back to Los Angeles, which is home. And I uh, started my own uh, PR agency. Right. When Betsy started her own company, you got yourself a red Cadillac, I believe. Is that right, Betsy? 
right? As a signature, you know, it, it still is kind of a, 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 a in our car society here in Los Angeles, uh, a symbol of success to have a, a, a fancy car, but more so in those days than now. Now it's a symbol of success to have it, an electric and very energy efficient car. Well, true, I, true. But yeah. I also think red has always been your color. And I, you did, uh, pu- you know, public relations. You sold your firm. Is that right? Sold my firm to Golan Harris at the time, a, a global communications firm. And we had grown our local PR firm to be the largest uh, in uh, Southern California, I'm pleased to say, as a woman entrepreneur. And we had about 25 employees and major accounts. But uh, I, I enjoyed being acquired. So I've had that experience. But then I really missed being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So after the riots in Los Angeles, the civil unrest in 1992, I was very much aware of the lack of diversity in the leadership ranks of corporations. My own client companies in the PR business were not diverse at all. And that includes women in the senior ranks. So I decided to launch a retained executive search firm 30 years ago called Berkmer Clayton and have uh, really had a, an impact on the diversity of companies um, nationally, but greatly based here in, in California, where we do senior level searches uh, focused on diversity. I love that, Betsy. And I, I, your commitment is really true. Betsy will often share with me that uh, she's working on a search. We're looking hard for certain diverse candidates, and I'm always impressed with the ones that you come up with. I think you should explain what retained executive search is so people understand. Berkmer Clayton is uh, in the ranks of retained executive search firms, like others you've heard of, Corn Ferry, Hydric and Struggles, Russell Reynolds. Uh, retained firms are those that are paid a retainer uh, during the course and the progress of a specific search. And we're hired by a corporation or university to find a senior level executive. And that search generally takes about three to four months. And we are paid during the process on a retained basis. Whereas the alternative type of search firms that um, most people are familiar with are contingency firms. And there are they really focus on mid-level uh, careers and more represent the candidate candidates who are looking as opposed to what we do representing the the corporations that are looking for a specific um, executive. But contingency firms are, are paid then at the end of their process when they find a candidate and place a candidate, but not during the process. So long explanation, but it's a it's a very challenging and interesting business. And especially when we always said Berkmer Clayton present a balanced panel of candidates, including Anglo men, but men and women of color and of underrepresented groups. And it's been a very a gratifying um, um, business for 30 years. That's wonderful, Betsy. And you've got a strong team. One of the things I've noticed about your business is the ability to matchmake in the sense that you do a lot of in-depth questioning, listening to what they're looking for in the position, what the role is, but not just that, the psychology, the personality, the communication style, so that the kind of candidates you find really fit well with the organization, because you usually come back with, what, three, four, five potential candidates? Generally five or six, yes, and uh, then the client, who are the corporate 
decision makers or the search committee at a university, for example, then they decide whom to meet in person. And uh, of course, we've kept them, uh, kept the search committees apprised during the process of the searches to whom we're talking to. But we're reaching out to people who are generally already employed, very happy where they are, but uh, are intrigued by a potentially better career move for more responsibility, more recognition, in some cases, more salary. So it's a um, it's a it's a fascinating business, and the behavioral type questions we ask, it, you would be so familiar with Renee because of your background in psychology, uh, really do tell us uh, what that person is all about. Right. And you can't find out about a person in just a fifteen minute or twenty minute interview. It has to be ninety minutes at least, and then the, the more the person talks, so they really tell you about how they think, how they approach problems, how they've done well or not done so well. And all of that relates to their potentially being a candidate. I think it's great the way you're so insightful in the process. And uh, I wonder, could you mention a few past clients? Well, yes, we've done we've done quite a bit of work for the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, for Arts Center, for University of Southern California, We've done work for the Dole Food Company, and uh, some of you, uh, many of you would be familiar with uh, Harry and David. Uh, gosh, over the period of 30 years, many, many corporate and uh, higher education clients and, uh, and nonprofit organizations. We've done CEO searches for nonprofits. In fact, we just uh, we just placed uh, the new CEO, Steve Nissen, at the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. Wow. And we're currently working on a position for the executive director of the Los Angeles Parks Foundation, which raises money. It's a private uh, public organization that raises money to support the 450 Los Angeles parks. I had no idea there were 450 parks in Los Angeles. I had no idea either. Well, that's so important, especially parks in some of the underserved neighborhoods, right? They need additional resources. But that's a great project and good for you, Betsy. You know, before we move too far ahead, we're going to move into the next segment. And I want to talk about why you took on the responsibilities of CEO of 5050 Women on Boards, because you're still CEO of Berkmer Clayton. So you've got two big jobs, right? Yes. Uh, five years ago, uh, 5050 Women on Boards came to, well, asked me to take on the role of CEO in parallel with my executive search firm, which uh, even though it's two full-time jobs, has worked out very well. And uh, Renee and I were volunteer co-chairs of a Los Angeles event supporting 5050 women on boards, and uh, and we did such a good job, Renee and I, together, <laughs> uh, that they asked me to be the CEO. That's and I right. That um, very very much. It's a global nonprofit organization, and you mentioned earlier driving the momentum toward having more women on boards, including women of color. That's right. That's, that's right. Our, that's our stated goal. We're going to reach 50 percent, I hope, by the year 2028. Betsy, I'm excited about that. Let's hold that thought. And we're going to talk more about how that can really happen and the positive steps you've made toward 50 percent for gender balance in our next segment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women? And we're talking now about women on corporate boards. What does it take? What progress have we made? You'll be listening to News and Traffic. Stay tuned. 
tuned to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. Welcome back to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women, where we help women lead and succeed. Today's topic is women on corporate boards. Those are paid positions in corporations, both private and public companies, where women can help guide the direction of the company and be responsible for the selection of and the compensation of the CEO. But we're going to talk to an expert about that, Betsy Berkemer, the CEO of 5050 Women on Boards, has joined us on the show. Um, Betsy, I'm going to start by reminding everyone that the organization used to be called 2020. Our goal was to get 20% of uh, positions on boards, corporate boards held by women by the year 2020. And we beat it. Is that right? Yeah, we made that uh, goal just before the year 2020. So that's when we changed the brand and the name to 5050 Women on Boards with the goal now of reaching 50% of all corporate board seats held by women and 20% of all corporate board seats held by women of color. And it's a audacious goal. goal. And like you said, you think we're going to be able to get that. I I agree with you. I think we actually could see it in our lifetime. I'm very excited. But the reason I believe that is the progress we've made. Give us a snapshot of the statistics. Well, the, the, Back in, sounds like a long time ago, back when the organization started, the nonprofit started in 2010, the national level of the number of women on corporate boards was 10% of all of the corporate board seats. And now today, the national level is 28% of all corporate board seats of the Russell 3000 companies are held by women. And that's... uh, that's uh, uh, a, an excellent percentage on the way toward 50%, but certainly not there yet. Now in California, of course, because of the law, uh, SB 826 passed in the in 2018 and enacted in 2019, uh, the, the percentage of women on boards is now 34%. And that's something to be proud of. It's the highest um, the highest level of any state in the nation and is a, is exemplary for other states to try to, to reach. But the it's, law requiring at least three women on boards now uh, really helped to... Um, it did. It did. It really that. accelerated the progress and companies took it seriously. And Betsy right. is really the major force behind that with Navo, California. She went to Sacramento. We all wrote letters. We fought for this. And uh, you can see companies uh, paying attention. They're looking more for women. And I have to say, Betsy and I have been doing this for maybe 12 years. I think it was 2011 when we started. And you would hear men who came to our events with three, four, five hundred very well qualified women say, I had no idea there were this many women who were available and qualified. It was shocking to us that men didn't realize, and that was their excuse. It wasn't that they didn't want women on their corporate boards. They just didn't know where to find them. Well, uh, we believe, I think there's some unconscious bias, right? There was an expectation that there really weren't qualified women, but it's been wonderful to see the eyes open up and these men become very receptive. I mean, Betsy, You've seen this in your travels. Tell us a little bit about how you see the change occurring. Very 
very slow now, Renee, but uh, it's still uh, much better than it used to be. And as you just referred to, um, really corporate boards find new members, whether they are men or women, through their own networks of business contacts or nonprofit board contacts, and they don't really proactively reach beyond their own circles of contacts because they feel very comfortable with people they've known for a while. They trust their business judgment, which is, of course, important for uh, service on boards. And they um, so they don't proactively reach out beyond right. circles to find women and men and women of color. So well, that's we, why it's important for women to raise their hands. And I think if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to talk about what women need to do and then of the workshops that are open to women through 5050 Women on Boards. Well, the reason that women need to be on boards, I'm talking about business women who have a value, valued experience that would be helpful to boards. Women need to bring their perspective to the business aspects of the company and companies that the research shows that companies that have women and people of color on their boards are more profitable, according to McKinsey and other resources, uh, more profitable and more productive than companies that don't have women on their boards. And therefore, shareholders are really driving this effort as well to insist that the companies where they invest have women on board so that their investments will be more productive. Exactly. Exactly. Women make a difference. They make a big difference on boards. And the research you read, it was Credit Suisse and McKinsey. It's been over and over again. And other countries are doing this as well, right? Yes. And uh, the EU just passed a law last week requiring 40% of board seats in all companies in the EU countries, and there are 27 countries, uh, all publicly held companies to have at least 40% women on their boards. Now, um, in California, when we passed the law, it also took us seven years to get the law passed, but we only required three women on every board. As long as there were more than six people on that board, three is a a voice. So... um, we don't like the word quota, apparently, here in, in California and in the United States, but the U- European Union is going full blast for 40%, and that is really uh, really driving much more awareness of the issue. Great and to see the, it. Um, and the UK requires 40%. Right. So Scandinavian countries, the Scandinavian oh, wow. countries have been at 40% for a while, So, and France had been there. So we're mm-hmm. seeing, a, 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 that's why you're a global organization, right, Betsy? Now, we're going to talk about the global footprint of the events and the global event in a moment, but I wanted to stay on track with yeah. what women need to do to get on boards and how 50-50 women on boards helps women. Women need to get onto the list and be be memorable to board members or friends of board members that they may know in their their own circles of contacts. So in our workshops at 5050 Women on Boards, we train women, first of all, what to say about themselves. We call it 
a very short, high-impact soundbite. So in three bullets, a woman is explaining what her experience is to boards that she can use when she's talking at a reception or business meetings or when she uh, proactively calls up a contact of hers and explains her intention to serve on corporate boards. And then we train the women how to make those calls, how to talk about themselves, and how to ask for advice from their strategic contacts. So we have a get on board workshop for senior level women. We have a board fundamentals workshop for women who are just getting their getting their toe into the water to see if uh, board service might be something for them. And then this summer, we'll have a three-day workshop on digital presence, really helping women understand how their LinkedIn profile should be and, and what their, their whole presence on social media platforms should or should not be in order to be considered for boards. Right. And one of the uh, first steps, typically, I know in your book where you interviewed over 50 women who were on boards and on the second book looked at the impact. But anyway, with the, the women on boards, 80% of them had served on a nonprofit board. It's a great way to make connections with other corporate board members who see you in action and might recommend you for a board position. Is that right? That's such an important point, Renee, because um, when men are in the boardroom and on the nominating and governance committee and they, they know and they want to include more women, but in a sense, they really don't know whom to, to reach out to because they talk about their wives being excellent executives, but because of conflict of interest, a married couple can't be on the same publicly held board, or they talk about uh, their, um, their women executives at their companies who are outstanding executives, but they can't be on the same board as that person. So the women they've seen in action really working and um, and producing um, uh, fundraising funds even are women they've seen on nonprofit boards like cancer and health and lung association and heart and um, and and other nonprofit boards or on government commissions so that uh, they, they remember the women they've seen and would consider them for their corporate boards. Right. I remember Diana Ingram, a good friend of both of ours, who's now on, I think, two corporate boards, talked about how she made up an Excel spreadsheet of the other people she had served on boards with who she knew were on corporate boards. And then she very strategically went and had lunch with them or a long conversation where she talked about her desire to be on a corporate board, got their involvement, let ask them for advice. So it really set her on the path for connecting with people on boards and being very intentional about the fact that she wanted to be on a board. And then as we both know, she actually got selected through LinkedIn. That's how they found her for the one board. But no doubt about it, her mindset was ready. She was confident, she was prepared because she'd gone through that process, right? Yep. And she knew what to say about herself. And uh, uh, we also train women to write a very uh, succinct board profile about themselves. It's kind of the reverse of a resume. You can think of your resume being a long chronology of your career. And yet a board profile is the reverse of that, starting off with the first section, the value added experience that you would bring to a board what nonprofit boards you you may have served on and, and how large they are and, and what the results were of your being involved, and then have a short uh, part about your career chronology and, of course, your education and uh, right. 
other awards, et cetera. But that's right. what a board profile is all about. Well, Betsy, we're, we're coming to the close of this segment. So thank you for giving people the practical advice and mentioning the 50-50 Women on Boards workshops. That's 50-50womenonboards.com to find out more information. But Betsy, let's talk about Women to Watch, 50 Women to Watch, which is a whole new program that I'm very excited about. And some of our listeners might want to nominate themselves. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women? And we're talking about why women should lead and be a big part of corporate boards across America and around the world, and how 5050 Women on Boards is making that happen. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. We're talking today about why women matter on corporate boards, how women make different decisions and bring different aspects of life to those corporate boards. We have as a guest, Betsy Berkemer Crudere, who's the CEO of both Berkemer Clayton, a retained executive search firm. So she has practical knowledge of how candidates get moved forward for board seats. But also, she's CEO of 5050 Women on Boards a major national global organization that's making a difference in terms of accelerating the role of women and the opportunities to be on corporate boards. Betsy, thanks for coming on the show. Let's talk about programs that we have in place. You talked about, uh, by the way, folks, I should say I sit on the board of 5050 Women on Boards, and I've been a, a big supporter, as I mentioned, with Betsy for many years. So I say we sometimes as I talk about it. And of course, it's not a paid position. It's a nonprofit board, but I'm a big believer in this cause. Betsy, the organization has the workshops we talked about a moment ago, but they also want to increase the visibility of women on boards. And I see two ways of doing that. One, is 50 women to watch and then the events we do so please share with the audience what what both of those entail well thanks renee and and we're so happy to have you on our board so um thanks thanks for uh, this additional information about 50 50 women on boards Mm -hmm. the i mentioned earlier that it's uh sometimes difficult for current board members to uh, proactively look outside their own circles to find potential candidates. So as a brand new campaign, uh, 5050 Women on Boards launched 50 Women to Watch for Boards, which is a a compilation of self-nominated women throughout North America. uh, uh, We're asking for women from Canada, the U.S., and Mexico to nominate themselves. The process takes about 45 minutes on our website and include a a, a short uh, smartphone video of themselves as to why they want to serve on corporate boards and the value that they would bring. So we can also understand their personalities and their their commitment and it's it's we already have um, a couple of hundred uh, applications we kicked the the program off the campaign off on international women's day march right. 8th march 8th this year right the, the deadline to apply and many of your audience may want to apply uh, the deadline is april 30th so it's the end of this week and um and we 
then we'll start the the evaluation process. Now, that's not our staff at 5050 Women on Boards who chooses the uh, winners. It is a selection committee that mm -hmm. we've compiled of stock exchange leaders from Toronto, Mexico City, and NASDAQ, and um, nominating and governance chairs. Those are the leaders of the of corporate boards as they select new uh, board members. Uh, we have several of them from brand name companies who are our selection committee. A very, very serious process. I, I admire you to making it rigorous and very um, uh, credible when you look from the outside. And those 50 women then will be top potential candidates for other board seats. And it will be good for corporations to look to those women as potential candidates. Uh, increasing the visibility of women is really an important part of this global effort. Uh, Betsy, I know in the past, every year we've done these 50-50 women on boards events uh, across the country, sometimes as many as 30. I mentioned at the outset, the one in Los Angeles will be on May 18th at the Herald Examiner building downtown, the old Herald Examiner. It's now the campus of Arizona State University, ASU. It's going to be a great event. It costs about $150 to go. It's a wonderful way to meet other women who are in corporate boards to learn what it takes and to hear speeches from women on how they made it. Can you tell us a little bit about the event coming up on May 18th? Yes, and uh, Arizona State University's campus is hosting our event at the, as you said, the, the former Herald Examiner uh, building, which is a, a wonderful historic uh, site here in Los Angeles. And at the event, we'll have a panel of three women who just recently got on corporate boards, and they'll be telling how they've done it. And then we have another panel member who's a, a veteran and served on uh, several corporate boards over the last 20 years. And she will uh, share with the audience the, um, the changes that she's seen over the years and how more expertise is, is, uh, is sought these days by boards. And that expertise would be more digital experience, human resources experience, ESG, which means environment, social, and governance experience, in addition to what is always needed on boards, finance and uh, audit experience. So, um, but many of the women in the audience would have the experience if they just knew how to navigate their own contacts to getting on board. So we have at the events, on all the events around the country, as well as our event here in Los Angeles, and directors who serve as coaches sitting at tables, um, tables of eight uh, in, 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 the, in the main room of, of the event. And those director coaches, we call them, give informal coaching to the attendees about what we suggested earlier, how to talk about themselves and how to strategically network among contacts they know uh, in order to let people be aware right. that they are looking for a board position, if indeed they are. Being at the event is really uplifting. You're among uh, 200, 300 women and men, but primarily women, about 80 to 90 percent, who are very actively looking for board seats or have considered it. And you get a sense of empowerment, a sense of energy from these women. There's a lot of exchanging of business cards or QR codes, as well as active discussion of what it takes. These, the uh, It opens with a welcoming Betsy and the 
committee. I used to be chairing it with Betsy, but now she's got great leadership as chairs. And then they go into the panel discussion, and then you have 45 minutes to an hour with that director coach and the women at the table. And I have to tell you, last year, people were making notes. They made connections. They followed up with people. They got practical advice and built a plan for themselves. So you walk away with something of substance, wouldn't you say, Betsy? Oh, absolutely, Renee, and new contacts that you wouldn't know any other way. And similar with our 50 Women to Watch uh, for Boards campaign, uh, we, we are the pipeline builders. We're helping women who've never been on corporate boards before to find their way in order to be on a corporate board. And one of the criteria for the 50 Women to Watch for Boards campaign is that the applicants or those who self-nominate cannot have served previously on a public board. They can have served on a nonprofit or a private company board, but not public. So that way, the list that we are promoting and developing are women who are not there yet but need the visibility in order to be engaged. And we're going to proactively present that list, of course, to the business community, but to the 450 companies in the U.S. that still don't have any women. On any women. That's or one. Or hard, one. Or one. Hard to believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have to get those people to yeah. open up. Uh, you know, Betsy, I think we, in fairness, we should talk that about being on a board means you get a corporate board, you get compensated, often with, uh, uh, obviously with money, also sometimes with stock or stock options. But there are also some downsides. Some people there, you are vulnerable to be litigated. There are activists out there who might be coming after a board. Can you speak to that so people get the balanced perspective? Yes. And for the basic liability, uh, though, for any board member, uh, unless a board does something egregious or illegal, blatantly, I mean, illegal, um, which doesn't happen very often. No, uh, the, the insurance that a board carries is called DNO insurance or directors and officers insurance. So all the board members are protected um, for their own personal uh, liability, and you don't have to worry about ever losing your life savings um, by serving on a corporate board. But to your point, Renee, what you do, um, what you are putting in the public view is your reputation, your business reputation. And should a company, unfortunately, um, go bankrupt or uh, not do well, uh, and you mentioned activists, there might be somebody who wants to, uh, an activist shareholder wants to take over the company. Right. Yes, all directors' names are generally listed in lawsuits. Yes. Even if nothing yes. to do yes. with uh, any lawsuits. So, yes, yes. Uh, it does. It does. It can. It, it can take time out of your 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 uh, career. I mean, I, in the sense that you have to be deposed and things like that. Several board members, you know, have told me about that experience. But I don't want to over dramatize it. But I think it's fair for people to have both, the, you know, the positives and the negatives. And the negatives are minimal. It's definitely worth it. I know we're going to run out of time on this segment, Betsy. I I, I want to make sure that we have time to talk about the global nature of the events and uh, some of the practical 
practical things people can do to get signed up, for instance, for our 5050 Women on Boards event in Los Angeles on May 18th. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women, Why Women, How We Lead and Succeed. And today we're talking about how to get a corporate board position. So stay tuned and you'll hear more from Betsy berkemer Credere. Welcome back to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. Why women? I'm Renee Frazier. I'm delighted to be here talking about why women should be on corporate boards, what the opportunity is, why nonprofit boards make sense as a first step. But we're talking with an expert on this. I'd love to bring her in. It's Betsy Berkema-Crader. She is the CEO of 5050 Women on Boards. And this is an organization I have been supporting along with Betsy for the last 11 years as a volunteer as we hold events, not just in Los Angeles, but around the world. Betsy's going to share some of that. In the last segment, we talked about the the pros and the cons. Board seats are important. They give you valuable experience, but there is also the possibility of litigation. I'm just going to reiterate, you have to have director and officer insurance called DNO, and every nonprofit should have DNO insurance. Before you sit on a board, nonprofit or for-profit, you must ask about that. But if you also, when you're on a corporate board, you get compensated for your time. Uh, Betsy, let's talk about the compensation, and please give us the full range. Well, and thank you, Renee, because that's why women have really, it's been a well-kept secret uh, how to get on corporate boards, because uh, for decades and probably millennia, men have been on corporate boards, but uh, women didn't know that this was possible. And it's important that they understand that they would be paid and compensated. Um, Most uh, public company boards pay uh, half stock and half cash compensation in their in their payments to their directors and public companies could range 50,000 80,000 higher uh, 150,000 but um, you know you might be on a public board that doesn't pay that high but at least it's an, an additional compensation to your your day job right and companies also pay yeah. lower maybe 25,000 maybe 50,000 but certainly paying for your time and your expertise is uh, is worth it and it and takes it takes time you know I know that NACD the National Association of corporate directors did a study and they had uh, reported on hours so 200 to 250 hours in a year. Meetings, preparation. Betsy and I have been doing this for a while, and I have voluntarily voluntarily led Pathways, which is a specific mentoring program for women of color, where we pair women up with current board members. And they talk about how before a, a board meeting, they'll spend three days, a weekend, and a day reading through all the materials, preparing, reading the trade papers of the industry that they're in. And Women really want to be well prepared before they go to the board meetings. So it does take time outside of the board meetings and, and people need to know that so that uh, you, you contribute. And candidly, when you're on one board, you're very likely to get a second board. People see you, they know how well you perform and you'll get an invitation. Anything you want to add to that, Betsy? 
Well, I'd add to save time, it's a good idea to get a uh, get on a board that's in your own city or certainly in your state. And on our website, 5050womenonboards.com or 5050wob.com, we have a research category and a directory that you can use and scroll down and to filter for your city, your state, your industry to find out what companies are in your area and how many women they have on their board. So it gives you kind of a, uh, a way to chart your path. And then uh, we do this globally, of course, uh, nationwide for the companies tracking how many women are on boards. But we, we certainly uh, welcome the sponsors that we have in addition. Our, EY is our is our uh, premier overall sponsor worldwide and Wells Fargo, Bank of America, other major names and TCW, by the way, Katie Koch, who's the new CEO of TCW is going to be our moderator for the Los Angeles event on May 18th. Excellent. And the, the co-chairs of the event on May 18th are Suzanne DeYoung from EY, Cynthia Ruiz, who's vice president of the board of the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, Jackie Fila, who's the president of the LA City Commission on Women, and Jamie Lee, the CEO of her own company, but she's also the president of the Harbor Commission, and Lisa Cagnolotti, senior VP of Edison, Renee Young, president of National Association of Women Business Owners in LA, just a terrific group. And our, our speakers are, as I mentioned, women who have uh, just recently gotten on boards, three of them on boards, a very diverse panel, and uh, Leslie Heights, who has been on boards for many years, and our moderator, Katie Koch, who's just terrific. So it's, it's well worth signing up for May 18th, which you can do on our website, 5050wb.com, and uh, look for under events and scroll down to Los Angeles. That's great, Betsy. It's going to be a wonderful event in Los Angeles, and those are all remarkable women, so I can't wait to see them at the event. You know, we talked about global. We've got uh, London, uh, Athens, right, Mexico City. Uh, but other countries are really watching the United States and the progress that, that we've made. Did I miss any other city for around yes, the world? Uh, Toronto and Tokyo are the... And the the five international cities you mentioned the first three London has a major event uh, all 50 50 women on boards and we we are so pleased that um, that our message and our impact is global and we're looking at a global conversation at the end of the year we always do a broadcast of major CEOs and we're hoping to feature the fact that the EU has just uh, required 40%, as has England, the UK. Right. And, uh, we're that's that we're requiring. We're not requiring because it's not a law, but we're urging companies to have 50% women on their board. Let's let's talk about. Um, uh, let's just talk for a moment about the um, the changing ways of boards because I want the audience to know what the opportunities may be. Often women will ask me, well, do I have to be retired? And the answer is no. It's better if you're working to get on a board seat. But the the interesting thing is the uh, it used to be older women, I'd say 50 plus, but in reality now, they're looking for people with 
digital marketing. Uh, you mentioned, Betsy, they're looking with people with talent acquisition, talent retention skills. So so the, the qualifications are shifting. With still a base level, you have to understand financials and have had some experience with audit committees, probably on the nonprofit side. But will you build on that? What are the other things boards are looking for these days? Human resources and compensation package experience, the compensation of an entire organization of, of the executives as well as the structure throughout the organization is a, a critical factor that boards uh, review and look at. And of course, cybersecurity and supply chain issues. I had a question the other day from a woman saying, gee, I'm a, I'm a supply chain expert. Uh, do I have a chance? I, absolutely. Nearly all boards, all companies these days are global in some way. And so they're very concerned about supply chain issues, remembering what happened during uh, COVID and the slowdowns of, uh, of materials getting to getting around the world. Right. Right. They, very important. Yeah. I, I think women have to really look at their core uh, strengths and what they bring. Uh, another colleague, a friend of ours who got on a corporate board, had been the head of customer service and customer retention and customer excellence at a large corporation. And uh, the, the the company that brought her on as a board member was looking for that. So you might expect they went to Starbucks. Companies that have a reputation for high levels of the quality customer experience, that's what she brought to the party. Uh, and, and so it's interesting how your your capability, like you said, supply chain, digital marketing, maybe something that they need because we know now they want more expertise, right? They want to bring to the board people who really know the industry. They may have staff people who do those jobs, but they need to see it at a higher strategic level, right? You are so right. The, the board is looking at the strategic vision and the growth strategies of a company. All companies want to grow. And so they're looking. That's why uh, companies like to have board members, men and women, who are still working in their jobs and have and have uh, influential business contacts that they actually bring to the board. So those are important aspects of board membership these days. And engineers, women engineers, and uh, women who've been in the military, uh, this is, these are attractive backgrounds uh, for boards as well that you might not think about. So I would say to you, if you're listening and you're thinking about, I could possibly get a board seat, come to the Women on Boards event, 5050womenonboards.com is the place to go. Come to the event in Los Angeles on the 18th and you can talk to experts. You'll have a board member sitting at your table who can tell you what your chances are. You can ask questions about their process, what, what approach they took, and you'll learn more about the High Impact Soundbite, as well as the Board Fundamentals Workshop and the summer program that Betsy mentioned, which is making your digital presence stronger. Betsy, do you want to mention any other workshops available before we sum up for the night, for the day, I should say? Well, since your, since your show is this week, uh, it's good timing since our current workshop uh, is this Wednesday, our Get On Board workshop this Wednesday, the 26th. Uh, from 11 to 1.30 and Friday the 28th, 11 to 1.30. And then the next one is the second week in May. But really, really, we'd welcome your listeners, Renee, and how, how great we welcome you also to, to, to sign up for our, subscribe to our networking hub, which is new, well, since last year, where we're building our own 
um, the, the group of women who are uh, workshop alumni and other interested women like your listeners who want to be part of the network and be able to connect with one another as they're moving toward uh, corporate boards. I do office hours uh, for the for the group every other Friday. Very helpful to those who are serious about seeking a board. It's $99 uh, annual subscription and well worth it for also find it on our on our website 5050wob.com it's a great way to get access to other women ask them questions when you get on uh you can being considered for a board and nominated there is a quite a long process of interviewing lots of uh, meetings with different board members starting with the nomination and governance committee uh but people share stories and experiences they've had so it helps you to be prepared well betsy i'm gonna have to be wrapping up the show i want to thank you for being here this is betsy berkemer Crader, the ceo of 5050 women on boards and i want to mention to the group we've made some progress when betsy and this organization started at 2010 there was 10 percent. we're now at 28 percent of the seats on corporate boards held by women in the united states and 34 percent in california and we hope to see that change in the future thank you for listening this is the uh, dr renee fraser show why women thanks for joining me as we've talked about why women matter on corporate boards, what your path should be, and that this is part of your experience as you lead and succeed. And remember, you can hear this podcast and others at the FraserCommunications.com website. Just go to Renee's radio show, and you'll be hearing lots of tips and advice from other women leaders like Betsy Berkemer-Crader. Betsy, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Renee. Enjoy your week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Renee Fraser Show. Why women have a wonderful week ahead.